This is the sermon podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. Good to, good to be with you. Uh, I, I, I notice, I think, I noticed some new eyes with us today. Uh, if you are visiting with us, uh, welcome. If we haven't met before, my name's uh, Adam uh, Vermontis. I'm one of the pastors here at Mosaic, and uh, I have the privilege of opening God's Word uh, for us this morning. If you've brought a Bible, uh, you're welcome to open that or slide that on. We are preaching through a variety of psalms this summer. Uh, you, you may or may not be familiar with the Psalms. It's kind of right in the middle of, of your Bibles. And this is 150 uh, individually collected, a variety of authors, variety of types of Psalms. And this summer, I'm just kind of selecting uh, distinct Psalms that uh, represent kind of the, the wide chasm of emotions uh, that many of us are experiencing right now. And so this morning, we're going to be reading and walking through Psalm 13. So if you want to go ahead and and, and get there. Um, psalm 13 is categorized as a psalm of lament. Uh, lament is not something we as Western-minded American Christians uh, do very well. Um, lament can be understood this way. Um, lament is the way that we express grief. So, the, the underpinnings of this entire psalm is, is a life that is full of grief. And, and I want you to notice, uh, before, before I read the psalm, uh, who it's addressed to. It's addressed to the choir master, and it's written by David. If you know anybody from the Bible, maybe you've heard of David. He was a king in Israel, a, a really important figure. And I want you to note that this psalm of lament and grief was written by a, a high-ranking religious figure. So th- this would have been a very public person. And he, he essentially, uh, in, in our modern-day terminology, he, he emails um, his music director and says, publicize this for the whole church to hear, to grieve with me publicly and corporately, not privately and individually, which most of us are very comfortable trafficking in. He says, publicize this for everyone to hear about my grief and despair. And so this psalm of lament is a psalm that's been termed one of great disorientation. For the person who is disoriented with doubt and despair, with rage and confusion, with sadness. Psalm 13 is for us today. And so let me, let me read the psalm, and then we'll walk, walk through it together this morning. Psalm 13. To the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, 
lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this psalm. We thank you for putting it in our Bibles. We thank you for giving us the freedom to express how we feel honestly and openly with you. Lord, we need to learn how to lament as a people. So would you teach us now and would you lead us to the only source of refuge and hope and strength we have, namely your Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Uh, This psalm shows us one uh, primary thing uh, for us to kind of grasp together. Um, If you weren't with us last week, I'll just kind of just say a little uh, little thing here. Uh, we're, we're trying to be very concise this summer. We know that the distractions are various. Our children are here. And, and so I want to communicate one main thing from the psalm to you today, and, it, and it's this, uh, that, that relief from grief comes from lamenting with hope. So if, if you're here today and on any level of the scale of concern, you have any sort of Grief, despair, sadness, anxiety, confusion, doubt, any any of that going on inside of you, even to the smallest degree. The only way that will not nag you to death and ultimately to to your demise is if if you'll do what this psalm is calling you to do, to lament with hope. Um, I want to use kind of the, the, the imagery and the metaphor of, of a rain and a rainbow because I'm going to connect that to a, to a biblical event uh, here in a little bit. Um, but, but rain and storming, that's the grief. So we're going to kind of talk about the rain of the grief first, and then we're going to look at the rainbow of, of relief at the end. So, so kind of grieving and hoping together make what, 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 a, what a lament should be. So if you look at at the psalm, it begins with questions. Uh, Grief inevitably stirs up questions inside of us. Uh, David's questions are, uh, they come from a a variety of different dynamic, complex places of his life. The first question is, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? It's theological in nature. His concern, the last part of verse 1, how long will you hide your face from me, God? Are you even there? Are you listening? His absence and abandonment seems to be the prevailing theme of his life. God, are you even here anymore? His his primary angle on grief is theological, but then it it moves and it kind of goes into the psychological realm. Uh, How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? So this, is, this grief is messing with his, with his psyche. He's, he's spinning in his head. His heart's really confused. He doesn't know up from down. He doesn't know who to believe. He doesn't know which headline to trust, which video to share. He doesn't, he doesn't know what is going on. His world is spinning, and it's messing with him. His psychological sanity is at risk. It's hanging on by a shred of hope. 
but, but, the, but the spiral of grief and despair kind of continues in, in the sociological aspect. So the conclusion he comes to, end of verse 2, is how long will my enemy be exalted over me? How long is evil going to win? How long will darkness have the day? And, and, and that is, I mean, if, if that doesn't resonate with you, um, I, don't, I don't know what will. Um, our turmoil and despair and grief is very akin to what David was dealing with right now in this current cultural moment that we are all living in. Questions are just brimming out of us right now. The injustices that we're seeing, uh, the, the political um, kind of savvy and corruption that is just pervasive right now, obviously the, the global pandemic that seems to threaten our very existence, um, we, we are grieving um, loss right now. That, that is the, that, that's what, at, at the heart of grief is loss. So we've lost kind of ordinary things like plans and rhythms and routines. Uh, we've lost, you know, summer vacations and, and family reunions. And, and so we're, we're grieving kind of those low-level things, but you, you, you kind of go up and some of us are grieving unemployment or financial loss at high levels. Um, others are, are grieving the loss of romance or relationship or friendship or marriage or, or singleness. You know, your, your longing for romantic connection is now on hold. And, and so all of these kind of things that are, that, are, that are stirring up inside of us produces what we call grief. And and at the end of the day, what can happen is if we allow the grief to settle or if we try to um, deal with the grief in unhealthy ways, what happens is, well, the enemy will defeat. Darkness will win. Grief will, will prounce on us. It will, it will take us over. So what's the hope then? Um, the hope uh, is, is what, what David does in verse 3. So after all of verses 1 and 2, he cries out, God, are you hiding? Are you even here? You've abandoned me. You've hidden your face. I don't hear you. I don't see you. I don't know you. Are you around? After all that, what does he do in verse 3? He keeps praying. He says, okay, God, you're, you're, I don't even know if you're here, but, but I'm going to stay with this. So it's really bad logic, but it's really good faith. Right? So, so David, he, he stays persistent in pursuing God. In verse 3, he says, answer me, God. And he makes this one request. And I want you to latch on to this statement for today. He says, light up my eyes. It's a really kind of random, uh, not frequently used in the Bible, way of saying, God, give me hope. Light up my eyes, lest these things happen. I sleep the sleep of death. My enemy says he wins, and my foes rejoice. He, he gives God reasoning for why he should give him hope. Do you, do you, are you doing that with, with God at all right now? Because what lament invites you to do is to not only name your grief, but then reason with the God who can give you relief from your grief in a way that would say, God, if you don't do this, it seems as though darkness is one, and I know you don't want that. So he, the psalmist asks him to light up his eyes. 
And here's how God lights up our eyes in the middle of grief. Uh, we watched a, a movie uh, this, this weekend, uh, Selma. It's been around for a while. Uh, Selma deals with Selma, Alabama, and part of the civil rights movement. And so Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, was, a, was a big catalyst in this movement. It was a, a march from Selma, Alabama to Montgomery, Alabama, which was the capital. And it was, you know, kind of anchoring the march was a, 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 was a desire for African Americans to have unhindered uh, voting access. And so at that time, you know, slavery was abolished and segregation was was unwinding, and voting rights tip on paper uh, were for everyone, but there were lots of barriers. And so this movement, uh, which was, um, was, very, was violent in nature, um, it, it, it climaxed when uh, there was an attempt to do the march, and it, and it went south. And, and in the kind of the aftermath of that first attempt to do the march, there was, a, there was a heinous, brutal murder of a man in a restaurant. And there's this scene right after that, after that death of that man where Martin Luther King, who was not there for this first attempt at the march, he had heard about this death, and he went to go console uh, the father of this murdered son. And it was, it was a really powerful scene in the movie, and Martin Luther King just slowly uh, walks up to this man who's clearly disheveled and, and upended by the death of his son. And Martin Luther King, he says these words in the movie. I don't know if he said them in real life, but he said them in the movie. He said, um, there are no words to console you right now, but this I know for certain. God was the first one to cry for your boy. Now, for years, I was under the theological assumption that God had no emotions, that he was this stoic figure, like in the heavens above, merely playing chess with the world in some cold, detached, uninvolved way. But nothing could be further from the truth of the God of the Bible because what Martin Luther King said in that movie, that God was the first one to cry for his boy, is absolutely the theme that is running through the thick of every word of our Bibles. That God is so distressed by all our sin and sorrow not distressed in a way in which he can't handle it, but distressed in, which, in a way that he would become so deeply enmeshed in it. The way that God laments his grief is through justice and judgment. There's only one place that I can find, and, and I don't know the Bible inside and out, and I'm, I'm sure some of you maybe can do some more thorough research, but there's only one place that I can find where God revealed the grief of his heart, and it was in Genesis chapter 6. And if Genesis chapter 6 isn't familiar to you, I'll give you the, the kind of the summary version of it. Genesis chapter 6 is early in, in the, the history of mankind where God has made his image bearers and they've rebelled against him and Cain has murdered Abel and uh, the Tower of Babel's coming after it, but all of the things seem to be going uh, in, the, in, in, a, in a wrong direction. 
grief was the status of, of, of humanity, despair. And so God says this in Genesis chapter 6, verse 6. It says, as he looked upon what he had, what, all, all that was going on in the world, he says, the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. And the very next verse says what God did about the grief. He blotted humanity out. The rains of judgment fell on the earth and subdued it. Justice came. Judgment was delivered. However, if you're also familiar with that biblical storyline, he kept a remnant of grace. He kept a people unto himself. He took Noah and his small family and he placed them in the ark and he covered them with himself. They were, they were delivered. They didn't experience justice and judgment like they should have. And if you, if you remember uh, what the sign of the hope was, that God said he would never do this again. He would never flood the earth again to deliver justice and judgment. The sign was the rainbow, right? So when we, when we see the rainbow in the sky, kids, when you see the rainbow, that is a sign. It's not an illusion. It's real. It's a sign of hope that despair is not our ultimate end. Um, here's where this psalm becomes very real to us. This psalm is not primarily um, fulfilled in us reflecting on God's judgment in Genesis 6. It's not fulfilled in us speculating about what's going on in our world and when it'll come to an end and, you know, who's winning, good or evil. This psalm is ultimately full of hope because it speaks about Jesus. If you want to know the single event where Psalm 13 became someone's reality, where God's face was actually turned away, where darkness fell over their life, where, where their cries were not heard, where God actually abandoned someone. It happened some 2,000 plus years ago in the ancient Middle East on a Roman cross. When the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the eternal son of the living God, had always existed, will always exist, when that man took on flesh and experienced the grief of Psalm 13 to the degree that, that none of us ever will. Do you remember how it, how it records that event in one of the gospel accounts? I don't, I don't know which one it is. That darkness fell on the land for three hours. What Christ experienced on the cross, those three hours of darkness, was unspeakable grief was the hiddenness of God, was the silence when justice should have rolled down on him. What, what happened on those three hours of despair and sadness on a Roman executionary instrument, what happened was Jesus took all of the sin and sorrow of his people, took all of the grief and despair and doubt and fear and anxiety that is running through our veins, and he took it on himself. That instead of 
the love that should have come his way for his perfect obedience. What came was the fury of a God who meets out despair and grief with justice and judgment. He poured it out on his very own son. So that rainbow in the sky, do you know why that makes sense? It's because what that rainbow was was a warrior's bow. And it wasn't pointed down at us. It was pointed up at himself. And so in the rainbow, we see the hope of humanity held out for anyone who would believe. For anyone who feels their sinfulness and their suffering cannot be, cannot be justified any other way, Jesus offers himself. And so... When you hear Jesus' words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you, you make them your own. In other words, you, you trust in those words. You can do what David did in verses, uh, verses 5 and 6. Trust in God's love. Rejoice in the salvation. Sing to God because why he's dealt bountifully to you. See, God Almighty has fixed a day when he will make all things right. When all things will be made new. And what he's done for us is he has promised us that, but he's also assured us that it is above our prey grade to speculate when that will happen. But you can rest assured that this is what's held out for you today in the offer of hope. The Son, the Lord Jesus. He doesn't promise you that you'll regain all your financial loss. He doesn't promise you that your marriage will be restored. He doesn't promise you that your kids will be obedient. He doesn't promise you that your vacation plans will be renewed. He doesn't promise you any of that. But what he does promise you is life in his son and relief for your grief. And so when your son, like my son, is grappling with the realities of the world we exist in and he says, Dad, why doesn't God just end racism? When he says that to you, you can say this. He has and he will. He has ended racism on that cross when he poured out judgment on it. And he will deliver racism. And every ism under the sun will be slain by the one who was slain. All the isms that threaten to devour and conquer us will be undone. And all things will be made new. And the Lord Jesus will come again. And he will establish his rule of justice and righteousness. And here's, here's the, the truth I'm relaying to my kids, and I'll land this with you as we close. There will be a day, and it's hard for our minds to, to, put, for our hand, to put our hands around this. There will be a day when sin and sorrow will be no more. That it will be undone the possibility of it will not be relevant. The day is coming. He has and he will come. Let's pray that that, that source of hope will provide relief to give us endurance to the end. Let's pray together.
Father, I know that many of us are reeling and jarred by all that's going on around us. And for those who aren't, uh, maybe some of us are just kind of burying our heads in the sand a bit. And I know you're kind to both people. For those of us that are full of anxiety and for those of us that are distant and cold towards it, you are kind towards us all. So Lord, I, I pray that this psalm of lament, uh, that, it would, that it would stir in us this longing for all things to be made new. And that, that, that you would begin the work of making th- things new inside of us. Because we believe that if you will restore us from the inside out, that that could even change the world now. So Lord, help us to hold to your steadfast love, to your hope. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for pointing the bow of judgment and justice at him and not us. Lord, help us to cling to him. We pray these things in his name. Amen. This is the sermon podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. 